John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Let's pray. Father, I pray you'd help me tonight. And Lord, I pray you'd just touch me, Lord. Um, Father, there's such a sweet spirit here tonight, and I wouldn't want to mess that up, but Lord, I do know that they that worship you must worship you in spirit and in truth. And Lord, I believe I have the message tonight that you'd have me to preach. And Lord, if it's the message you'd have me to preach, I know it'll go right along with what you're doing here tonight. Father, I pray you'd give me strength to preach and give me wisdom. Help me to say what I need to say and not say what I don't need to say. Lord, I pray that Christ will be glorified more than anything else. I pray that no one would leave here talking about me, but everyone would leave here talking about him. Lord, for he's worthy. He's worthy of all our praise. He's worthy of all the honor and the glory. Lord, we thank you for him tonight. Lord, what a precious gift your son is that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for it, and I pray you'd help me now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. There's no preacher that's ever been quoted more than Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He's called the Prince of Preachers, and... And I'll be honest, I believe, Brother Dan, a lot of what they quote him, I don't believe he really said it, but they put his name next to it because they, if you don't know who said it, just put his name, there's a good chance he probably either thought it or he said it at some point in time. But of all the quotes, uh, I mean, there's, I've, I've, I mean, there's, uh, uh, I don't know how many hundreds of his messages I've read, but of all the quotes, I mean, there's lots of them. The, one of my favorites is he says, we can ne never complain of God, but we can always complain to God. And then, but my favorite is this. He said this. He said, I doubt the man who never doubts. He said, I doubt the man who never doubts. We know that the Bible is, is filled with stories of great, not nominal average, but great men and women who did great and mighty things for God, but they dealt with doubt. Elijah called fire down from heaven. I'm talking about with just a short prayer on Mount Carmel, he called fire down from heaven. I mean, can you, Can I don't know of any, uh, I mean, there was no doubt Elijah was the real deal. He was a man of God. But just a few verses later, he's, on, uh, he's sitting under a juniper tree hiding from a lady. And no offense, ladies, but I'm talking about this man had just called down fire and burned up the prophets of Baal, and now he's, doubt, he's scared of Jezebel. And not only that, he was wanting to die. He was suicidal. He, he, he said, I, let me die here. And, and so and I, we could go on and on and on and on about stories of people in the Bible who doubt. And let me say this. Um, a doubt is something that we all must battle at some point in our life. Now, Brother David, if you told me the night I got saved that, that I would doubt that, I would have said there's no way. But there have been times the devil said, if you were saved. Yeah. There, there's been times I've told myself, man, if you, did you, are you really saved? You lost your temper, you did this, or you said that, or you done this, or you done that, or you thought this, or you thought that. And so tonight, I don't know of anything that we need more of than assurance. Amen. And, and, and John 5.24 is a verse of assurance. 
It's been said that it's good to be saved. I believe everybody would agree with that. Amen. It's definitely not bad to be saved. But it's, it's better to be saved and to know you're saved. But it's best to be saved, to know that you're saved, and to know that you'll never lose it. Eternal life is a Bible doctrine. No, it's, it's not, a, they say it's a Baptist teaching. Well, it is, but it's a Baptist teaching because it's a Bible teaching, amen? Jesus did not offer man uh, temporary life. He said in John 10, I given them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man put them out of my hand. All three tonight, I said it's good to be saved. It's better to be saved than to know you're saved. But it's either, it's the best to be saved than know you're saved and know you'll never lose it. And all three of those truths are found in this one little verse. In verse 22, I want you to see this quickly tonight. We see that there is a commitment that has been made. John 22, John 5, 22, For the Father judges no man, but have committed all judgment unto the Son. There is a commitment that has been made. What is that commitment? The judgment of men and women has been committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you make no mistake tonight if you're here and you're lost? The Savior that you reject will be the one that you stand before one day and give an account to. He is the judge. Paul told Timothy in second uh uh, Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 he said I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead as appearing in his kingdom uh, listen Jesus here says the father judgeth no man but hath committed all judgment unto his son so all I'm trying to say what I want to say quickly in passing tonight is that judgment is coming amen God did not make Jesus the judge of the earth just to give him another title. He, he doesn't need, he doesn't need any more titles. He's got hundreds and hundreds of titles. He was not given the title of judge just so he could have a, a thing on the desk that calls him judge. The reason God gave him judgment is because there's coming a day where men and women are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and be judged by him. Amen. We're living in a world that acts as if they'll never answer for anything. We're living in a time where our people think that there's some way that they can just dismiss the thought of the Lord and it'll just go away. But I'm telling you, the Bible says that the dead, small and great will stand before God. But then verse 23, he says that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which has sent him. You see, we're living in a society in America, they don't mind if you say God, but they don't want you to say the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, if you just pray and say, in God's name we pray, then according to the Bible, your prayers will not be, you must pray in Jesus' name. 
There's a name tonight. The old song, there is a name I love to hear. I love to sing this word. It sounds like music in my ears. Sweetest name on earth. Listen tonight. The name of Jesus. He says that if you honor not Him, you've not honored the Father. And listen, I'm saying tonight, I'm not here for God. I'm here for the Lord Jesus. I'm honoring Him and Him for and by His grace. There's a crown that has been merited. God has given him that honor. Jesus has earned his honor. Do you believe that? We are living in a time where honor is far and, far and few between. You find very few people with honor. But the Bible says he's been honored by God. He earned the honor when he lived 33 and a half sinless years. He came, the Bible said in Hebrews uh, uh, Hebrews 1, he said, Behold, I'm come to do thy will, O God. He came and he lived at 33 and a half sinless years. And then he went to Calvary and bled and died and was buried and rose again the third day. And God said, uh, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And uh, listen, the crown Jesus wears is not an honorary crown. Uh, it's not a crown he got uh, uh, simply by just being there at the right time in the right place but he earned it he earned his crown I hear about these honorary doctors these preachers get they're not worth the more of the paper they're written on they're worthless and listen not that anybody ever want to give me one but if they try don't let them because I don't want it I don't want anybody to give me something I'm not earned amen isn't that an insult to a man that studies and goes to school and spends four years and, and, and then he goes off to seminary and does his master's degree and then he gets his earnings. And stuff. He spends thousands of hours of time and then, then, then they just want to walk in and hand somebody there because they're wanting to get an appointment to preach in his conference he has. That's basically what it's all about. But I'm saying Jesus does not have an honorary. What I mean to say is he earned, he earned the honor that he has. In verse 24, though, we see that condemnation has been missed by us that are saved. I just want to give you this simple thought tonight. Maybe this will give you some assurance tonight. I hope it will. You see, tonight, if we want real assurance, we've got to find it from the Word of God. I found this in my life, that oftentimes the reason I lack assurance is because I look for it in the wrong places. Many people, they look for assurance from other people. They want to be accepted. They want to be approved. They want to be... And by the way, I, I really think that's natural. I don't think that's unnatural. I think that's natural to want to be accepted. But you know, that's empty. That's not real. What I'm talking about is real assurance can only come from the Word of God. Amen. So for a few minutes, I just want to talk about blessed assurance. In verse 24, there's a fact. There's a fact that cannot be disputed. You know, this is not some, Jesus was not giving opinions. He was stating a fact. And we know that by how he entered this verse. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you. Verily, verily. Now listen, I want to say this. That truth, truth is something that, that is very, in, in, in our culture, it's defined in many different ways. 
In fact, there's some that teach, you know, uh, circumstantial truth where depending, uh, uh, depending on your circumstances, it might be something may be true today and it might not be true tomorrow. Then there's also some that teach relative truth that it's only true if it's relative. But the Bible doesn't teach none, none such as that. The Bible teaches absolute truth. It, it, and, and by the way, if you want to know the truth, who better to go to than the truth? Amen. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And by the way, these modern preachers, these little sissy preachers that are making light of the truth and they're trying to listen. They're trying to uh, say that truth is not what matters. I heard this preacher in North Carolina, he's actually the president now, J.D. Greer, at the Southern Baptist Convention in his own church, Brother David. He said that we don't major on doctrine around here. We major on discipleship. He said that. But without doctrine, there is no discipleship. The, the truth, listen, the truth of the word. And Jesus said, verily, verily, uh, truly, truly. What he was telling them is what I'm about to tell you. Uh, you don't have to debate it. Uh, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to wonder about it. This is true. Amen. And he said it twice for emphasis. Any of you that grew up in the South know what our Southern mama when she means business, what does she do? She, don't, she says, your middle name, right? James Andrew. And if she ever gets to Martin, it's too late. You're going to electric chair, it's too late. You remember, there's other times uh, where the Lord done this. He, when Simon, when, he, when it, Peter, when he was talking to Peter, and he told him that, that, that he was going to deny him, and Peter said, oh no, I'm not going to deny you. And, and, and Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for thee, and when thou art converted, thou would strengthen thee. He said, Simon, Simon. I think about where Saul was going down the Damascus Road trying to uh, with letters in his hand to take Christians and put them in jail. And Jesus met him on the Damascus Road and he said, Saul, Saul. You see this double word, what he's saying is, if you need to pay attention to what I'm about to say, what I'm about to say is the truth of the undeniable, undisputable truth. And verily, verily, I'm listening and I'm glad that in a world that doesn't accept anything is true and tries to dismiss all that is true, that in the Word of God I find there's some facts that cannot be disputed. You may dispute with a lot of things about me, but I'm glad I've got a verse in the Bible that I can stand on and say right here, this is why I'm saved. Amen. The source of this fact, he said, I say unto you, I say unto you. I, like I mentioned, I ain't gonna get off on this trail. I'm just gonna I'm gonna hit a lick and get off of it. So can you imagine last night during that debate if Biden or Trump said, verily, verily. I'd want to say, hey, Joe, you got your walkie-talkie on the wrong channel. You need to get back on with them liberals or tell you what to say. I mean, have you ever had somebody tell you, like, have you ever had somebody, they, they, Bernadette, a sure sign somebody's lying to you is when they get real animated and say, I'm telling you the truth. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I've got four kids. I know how they work. 
Georgia, the more animated she gets, the more excited she gets, the bigger her eyes get, and the more sincere she is, the bigger lies she's trying to tell you. I mean, she'll be standing there with the weapon in her hand. I mean, listen, evidence everywhere. And she'll say, I didn't do it. And what I'm saying is, if there was anybody else, I'm saying this is not the Pope saying this. This is not a Baptist preacher saying this. This is not an attorney. This is not a scientist or a doctor. But this is the everlasting Son of God. He who always has been and always will be. I'm talking about the Lamb of God said, what I'm telling you, this is the truth. Amen. Amen. I don't want anybody... Saying they're saved because of something I said. Listen tonight, there's too many tonight that think that it's because they're associated with the Baptist faith and they're inside of that. And by the way, I'm proud to be a Baptist. I'm thankful to be a Baptist. I mean it. If you're going to go to heaven, you might as well go first class. Amen. Amen. Listen, that being a Baptist ain't got one thing to do with being born again. I promise you there's more Baptists in hell tonight than are in Baptist churches on Wednesday night. The source of this fact cannot be spread. The subjects, he says, I say unto you. You know, it's a miracle that Jesus would say anything to any of us. Now, I know y'all don't have arguments and stuff, but sometimes, like every four or five years, Kim and I have a little disagreement. And I'll try, to, I'll try to give her the silent treatment or she'll try to give me the silent treatment. Does it ever ask him, we can't, we can't do it? I just can't, I, I make up my mind, I'm not going to say a word, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. Ginger's the same way. I'll say sometimes, uh, we'll be at the ball game, I'll say, a couple of weeks ago I told Kim, I said, I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't, you know how that lasts about two pitches in the game. But you know why? Because I love her. You know why I can't keep from talking to her? Because I love her. And you know why Jesus has spoke to us? Because he loves us. He loves us. Listen, and you and I, we don't deserve to hear anything from him except for this. Depart from me. I never knew you. But yet, Brother David, day after day, and week after week, he speaks and he says here, Verily, verily, I say unto you, there's a fact that cannot be disputed. Verse 24, he says, He that heareth my word, believe him that sent me. There's a formula that cannot be dismissed. You see, if you want assurance, you need to check your experience. And does it match up with the Word of God? Here is very, listen to me, salvation is simple. I want to ask you a question. Why would God go to the lengths that He did to provide salvation? and then make salvation something that we couldn't understand, something we couldn't receive. So why would he make it hard for somebody to be saved after all he went through to provide salvation? That's foolish. Can you imagine a man buying his wife a new car? You know, I'm going to help you ladies out right here. One of them, you know, Escalades with leather seats and heated steering wheels. And <laughs> Anyway, can you imagine Brother Joe buying Miss Beth an Escalade like that or, or a BMW, Mercedes? You're making it hard. Porsche, <laughs> Ferrari, Maserati, 
Vento, Volkswagen, something. Anyhow, a four-wheeler. A boat, something, anyway. <laughs> She's ruining my sermon. Ruining <laughs> But Jason, let's use you for an illustration. You'll be a little better. Can you imagine working for years and years to save and not telling you why? Every, let's just say, I'm not trying to put no thoughts in your head, but anyway, and, and you just, every time you worked overtime, you didn't tell, and you put it away, and you put it away, and you put it away, and you kept on, you kept on, and finally you got enough, and you snuck out, and you, and you found this beautiful car that she'd always talked about, and she never thought she'd have it, but you went and you got it for her, and you put a big bow on it, and then you, 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 you went and got her, and you put that, and you put that Escalade out on an island, and there's alligators between in that water and there's crocodiles and there's boa constrictors and anacondas and king cobras and vipers and pit vipers and copperheads and moccasins and things like that and you said alright baby I worked all this thing, but you're going to have to, you're going to swim over there to get it but that be it that's, that's foolish ain't it but there are some people that preach the gospel in such a way that they want people to think they've got to crawl over barbed wire and step over landmines and sneak and get in the altar and lock down and, and, and pray until the blood vessels break. I've got news. You don't have to. Jesus already did that for you. Amen. They, they act as if, you know, the Catholics teach they got to go crawl up them steps and, and whip themselves with a cat and nine tail. You don't have to do that. He already did that for us. Listen, it's not as complicated as men want to be. Amen. You know the devil's been muddy in the waters of salvation since the Garden of Eden. And he still is today. But these are two things I want you to see. In order for a person to be saved, one, they must be confronted by the Scriptures. He said, He that heareth my word. Follow me, I'm going to finish. Everyone that hears the word doesn't get saved. But everyone that gets saved has to hear the word. And people want to know why we're so, so dogmatic about church. And why, why is it so, they, they, they want to know why, why they, they don't understand it. And one of the reasons is because the natural mind can't understand it. This is, this spirit, this is spiritual things. But we understand, us that are saved, we understand the reason the doors must be open and the lights must be on and the pulpit must be filled and the Bible must be open and the Word must go out because without the Word, nobody gets saved. So I'm going to ask you tonight, can you go back and was it the Word of God that convicted your heart? Was it the Word of God? I remember Brother Jimmy Clark preached and I got saved. He preached on Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus said, Straight is the way and narrow is the gate. And He said, And few there be that find it. And then He said, Broad is the way and wide that leads to destruction and many there be. And He preached on some people are not going to go to heaven. And that night, He preached the Word of God and the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost and I was confronted by the word of God Amen. Romans 10 says for faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of, the word of God James 1.18 of his own will he guides with the word of truth 1 Peter 1 says in verse 23 being born again not of corrupt seed but of incorrupt by the word of God listen you don't know why I'm so adamant about the Bible and why I don't want anybody messing with the Bible and why we're not going to have a different translation in here every month and every week you listen because our salvation hinges on the word of God Amen. Amen. Right. there must be a 
confronted by the scriptures, but then there is a confidence. Must be a confidence in the Savior. He says, and believeth on me. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me. You see, there's a difference in believing in something and believing on something. You see, right now I'm believing on this stage. I'm believing on it. You see, grace is God reaching down his hand to a dying sinner. But faith is that sinner reaching up and grabbing hold of God's hand. You say, Brother James, there's got to be more to that. Well, don't you think Jesus would have told us? Are you telling me that you know more about salvation than Jesus does? Now, listen to me. There are some, I call them cult, whatever you want to call them. They're, they're, they're out there. There's some of them that believe that unless you're sitting in church and there's somebody up there with a blood vessel sticking out of their neck and sweat rolling up, then you're not really, you, you, that's, not, that's the only kind of preaching that's real. You can really get saved. They don't believe in tracts. They preach against tracts. You've got to be really low in spiritual IQ to preach against gospel tracts. The Bible, Brother David's full of people that got saved outside the church. Full of them. Paul, Saul, the Philippian, Ethiopian, all through the Bible we find. But every time, you better believe this, the Word of God, the Word of God was in Where do you think Saul got under conviction? I believe it was in Acts where Stephen was up there dying. Why were they stoning Stephen? Because he had just opened the Word of God and blistered their hind end. But anyway, but there must be faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that simple. So you maybe you could, well, well, okay. So if there's more, why didn't if there's more to it, why didn't Paul give us more? He says there in Acts sixteen thirty one, the Philippian jailer said, "What must I do to be saved?" If there's more to it, Brother Larry, why didn't he tell him to get baptized? Why didn't he tell him to go to church? Why didn't he tell him to go and, 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 and change his wardrobe? Why didn't he tell him to stop drinking and cussing and fighting? Why didn't he tell him? Why didn't he tell him he had to start being a good neighbor? Why didn't he tell him about those seven steps that he got to climb? Why did he? Why? You know why? Because there's none of that involved in being saved. It's this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You, you say, what about repentance you can't truly believe till you've truly repented Amen. you see brother Aaron in order to believe on him that means I got to put everything on him the person that's not repented is holding back the person that's not repented is not wanting to put it all on him and I listen tonight that is that listen this is a formula that cannot be dismissed so I ask you now were you confronted by the scriptures did you hear the word of God when you were lost? Were you convicted by it? Were you convicted by it? Did the Holy Spirit, did the Holy Ghost of God convince you of sin and of righteousness and judgment to come? Did He show you how bad you had been and how, how, how you'd been too bad to go to heaven and you hadn't been good enough to go to heaven and God was going to judge you for that? Did He show you that? Do you remember? Do you remember conviction? Do you remember fear and hell? And, and there's something a lot of that. Listen to me. That's so silly. Listen, if you're not scared of going to hell, something's wrong with you. Hey, listen, I'll tell you why I got saved. I didn't want to go to hell. Amen. That's why. And then you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're saved then. On the authority of the Word of God. 
may not always feel safe. You may not always think you're safe. But like it or not, you're saved. Verse 24. Some, this is a, some assurance we find. He says, Hath everlasting life and shall not come to condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So we said that there's a fact that cannot be disputed. Verily, verily. There's a formula that cannot be dismissed. Hearing the word, believing on him. That's it. And then he tells us that there's a future for us that are saved cannot be destroyed. Remember I said in this verse we find how we can be saved, how we know we're saved, and how we can know we'll never lose it. Well, here's how we know we'll never lose it. He said, hath everlasting life and shall not come to condemnation but is passed from death and life. That's telling us that if you're saved, you'll never lose it. First of all, the Bible says in 1 Peter, we're kept by the power of God. Dylan, did you know Dylan works with me? And we find ourselves sometimes in some hairy situations. I, I, I don't, I mean, listen, I'm owing all a wide variety of areas from the upper crust of the lake to the bottom of the barrel. You know what I'm saying? Him and I have been in some hairy situations. He may not know it, Brother Aaron. He may not know it. I would never let nothing happen to him. And if they were to get him, if, in order for somebody to hurt that little boy, they'd have to hurt me first. All right. But, but Brother Bill, you don't know something better than that? The Bible says you're kept, your soul is kept by the power of God. So what that means is, in order, Ginger, for you to go to hell, something more powerful than God would have to take you out of his grip. I'm going to let y'all think for a minute think of something more powerful than God. I'll give you a hint. There ain't nothing. Right. He says this. Listen, in, in verse number 24, I, I got to hurry. Mr. Rebecca's going to be mad. Our, first of all, our great possession. He says, hath everlasting life. He didn't say it had everlasting life or will have, but hath. Did you know this is a definite? This is a right now. He says right now. Did you know if you're saved tonight, you're as saved as you'll ever be? You're just as saved at this moment as you'll be a thousand years from now or ten thousand years from now. Tonight, listen, I ain't got much, but I've got everlasting life. Amen. A great possession. Nothing we possess is as precious as everlasting life. You are saved by grace. Does everybody agree with that? And you are kept by grace. God didn't save us and put us out on good behavior on parole. No. It's a present possession, our great possession. Then he says, shall not come in condemnation, our glorious part. Condemnation is a terrible thing. If you really want to know how awful condemnation, the condemnation of God is, look at the cross. Because that's exactly what fell on Jesus on the cross. It wasn't the condemnation of Rome or, or Jew, the Jews. <coughs> it was not. It was the condemnation of God. Why? Because he 
who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. On the cross, Jesus, the man who had never committed sin, He became sin. He took upon Him every sin that had ever been done. And on the cross, the hammer of God's judgment fell on the Son of God. And listen, that's where we were before we got saved. But thank God Jesus said that those that are saved will not come into condemnation. Amen? That means we'll never go to hell. We'll never even come close to going to hell. John 3, 17 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. It says that we have passed from death off. That's our glad position. That word passed, if you want to look it up, it's a, it's a verb. Yep, it's a verb. I'm trying to remember this. It's in what they call the aorist tense. See, you know, we got past, present, future. In the Greek, it's, there's like nine of those. That's hard anyway. But the aorist, it means, it's like this. The best way I can illustrate it is this. It's like you put a, a period or a point on a piece of paper, and you drew a line, and you put an arrow on the end of it. So you got something that happened at a point in time, but the effects of it go on forever and ever. That's what that word past means. What that means is when we got saved, we passed from death into life. And, and if you really want to get to the nitty gritty of it, it's an act that cannot be reversed. What that means is once we pass, once we pass from death into life, once we cross over, and by the way, before we were saved, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But thank God, we have been quickened together by Him. Amen. And once a sinner is born from above and regenerated and made alive in Christ, they pass that dark valley, and thank God we'll never go back to death. Amen. We're alive and we'll be alive forevermore because of the grace of God. I want to give us some assurance tonight. I have passed, Brother Aaron, from death unto life. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, and listen tonight. Think about this. We've just started. We're on the very, 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 very. Brother David, think of how the blessings you've seen in your life. All the people, all the things God's done for you, the joy He's allowed you to have. I know there's been problems and birth, but there's so many people. We was at a ball game the other day, and there was a man down in Hickman come and start talking about you and tell me how he got saved under your preaching. And Brother Dave, you've enjoyed a lot of the God's blessed you in this house. But all that is just a drop, just a drop compared to what's to come. Amen. Romans 8 says that he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time cannot be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Amen. I'm saying tonight, uh, listen, if we're saved, we'll always be saved. And there's nothing that can reverse that. Blessed assurance. I, I say it again. I doubt the man that never doubts. But I want to encourage you the next time Satan comes in your ear. Remind them. Verily, verily. If you don't memorize any of these scriptures, memorize this one. I say unto you, I can't tell you how many nights 
I'd fallen asleep in my bed quoting this scripture over and over and over again. Over and over. I, I mentioned Spurgeon. He was a man that suffered from deep depression. This is back before they had any type of modern mess or anything. He had a house in France, and part of it was he had severe arthritis and, 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 and all types of ailments that they didn't even know what they were back then. And, and he would get in such pain that he couldn't even, he couldn't move. He just hurt all over. And so they had, they had him a house in France where the humidity and the, everything was just right and it helped ease his pain. And Brother David, they said he'd lay in his bed weeks at a time and his wife would get up on a ladder and she'd write scriptures on the ceiling of the house and he'd lay in bed and he wouldn't speak to nobody. But he'd lay there day and night and he'd just read the Word of God and read the Word of God. And they said inevitably he'd come out of and he'll come back there to the great metropolitan tabernacle and preach again and souls will be saved. All I'm saying is we're all going to doubt. But thank God we've got some Bible we can hang our hat on. Amen. 